Hey everybody, welcome back to the Satsung Podcast. Today, we have one of my favorite people that I've met in the last few years. Uh, one of the most decorated combat sports athletes in the history of the world. A real OG in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, former Bellator world champ, multiple-time Jiu-Jitsu world champion. Um, we caught him the day before he flew to Europe. Uh, to complete in the IBGJF uh, European Championships, and he went over and he fucking won, um, which I knew he would. Um, but he, beyond being an amazing martial artist, he is a phenomenal human being and really um, embodies to me what the spirit of jiu-jitsu and the, com- the spirit of a martial artist is. Um, he is that to me. Uh, we, we talk about that and more in the podcast. Um, also, fellow Onnit athlete, him and I are both on the on the Onnit team. Um, if you head to Onnit.com and use code Satsung, you're going to get a checkout. I've told you about the Total Human. I've told you about Alpha Brain. I've told you about Alpha Brain Black Label. I've told you about all of this shit that I use. What I want to tell you about today is their protein powder. I have used countless protein powders. Their Mexican chocolate protein powder not only tastes good, but it doesn't turn into this weird oatmeal thick um, mush that most protein powders take into. It um, is very drinkable. Like I would mix it with nuts, a banana, oats, and this shit still maintains the consistency of like milk. It's super easy to drink. It's super easy to slam right after a workout. Um, best protein powder in the world, as well as a just wide array of, of countless supplements that I take every single day. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm always posting about what it is of theirs that I'm taking, but I take the Total Human every day, I take Alpha Brain every day, um, I use their Strength and Performance Powder every day, and um, yeah, I just fucking love on it. I love the company, and I love all the people that I've met through this amazing company so head to onnit.com use code satsung at checkout and you'll get yourself a little discount uh they also do free trials of alpha brain i get asked all of the time does alpha brain really work yes it fucking works um if you don't believe me go to the website try it you pay for shipping and you get a free trial of alpha brain you tell me if it works i've shared countless stories of um of friends of mine that i've uh, convinced to try it and them s- sending me texts being like holy shit it actually works uh, and I always post those to my stories so if you try Alpha Brain and you're blown away like 99.9% of the people I've recommended it to send me a message on Instagram and I'll repost your uh, uh, your cosign on Alpha Brain being one of the coolest supplements ever uh, without further ado my brother Rafael Lovato Jr. Rafael, dude, welcome to the podcast. It's so nice to uh, to see your face. Yeah, you as well. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, how you been? We were we were just briefly talking about uh, about how busy you are. What do you got going on right now? Uh, well, um, so it's Tuesday, the fifteenth, day after Valentine's, and uh, tomorrow I am flying to Rome. Um, so that's Wednesday. I'll get there Thursday. And uh, this weekend, I'll be competing at the European Championships um, and then doing a couple of seminars in Italy afterwards. And then uh, after that, I'm actually going to Dubai uh, on a little vacation with my wife. And um, I'll be doing a little teaching there as well. 
um, and then come back home. And it's it's March already. Um, this year has been just going at a super fast pace. We had uh, the Oklahoma City Open, um, which is uh, held by the IBJJF, which is the most like uh, prestigious organization in jiu-jitsu. And they came here the first weekend in February. And, uh, and so like ever since, you know, January 1st, like we were on the mats, training hard, getting the team ready for that competition. And yeah, it really, we didn't ease into the year. It's been full blast um, since day one. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's, it's so wild to me how much you still compete and don't just like compete, <laughs> like compete and fucking win. Like it's, uh, it's pretty wild, man. And, and I will, we'll get into the, I have so many questions for you about uh, timeless jujitsu and just your style. Um, yeah. I want to start by saying, man, what, like there's something very attractive about you and Shanji as far as I feel like there's so many different approaches to jujitsu. Um, and the approach that I started with and the culture in our gym has really changed the past couple of years but it was this very hard nosed, tough. Everyone in our gym was just the like, we were tough. Everybody in there was, you know, Will, Will his nickname when he fought was the grinder. He was that like classic, um, that Vanderlei dude that's like, yeah, dude, you can hit me three times, but I'm gonna hit you back. You know, so everyone in the gym was kind of, was kind of that culture. So I um, threw a really bad neck injury um, that, that I felt like was the first time where I was like, man, is this going to be a, able to be a part of my life? It was actually that trip to Austin when we were all at that barbecue and, and hearing you talk was, I was like, man, maybe it's my approach. It's not whether I can do jujitsu forever. It's how am I going to do jujitsu forever? Cause I had this very wild moment after that neck injury, I hadn't been able to train for a couple months and we had a belt test. And I went to su support some of my friends that were getting belted. And, you know, I put my gi on and I stepped on the mat and I started crying. And I was just like, fuck, man, I'm never going to be able to leave this thing. Like I, there's something about this that is in ingrained in my heart. And when I um, met you and Shanji and um, particularly just heard your story, man, I was like, that's it. That's who, that's what I want to be when I grow up. That's the, <laughs> you know, like that's the path. <laughs> um so talk, I, I guess we could kind of start at the beginning. How did you even get into jujitsu? Because you started at a time where that was such a small sport in the States. <clears throat> now, first off, you started all of this by saying how attractive Shanji and I were. Yes. And uh, yeah, so, you know, doing, doing my best, doing my best to age well. Um, no, man, like, yeah, you know, I came from, I came from, uh, a time where it was very similar, like, um, you know, my, my dad's super old school and, um, you know, he, he's a, a former JKD instructor, Jeet Kune Do, And that's really what I grew up in. Um, and it was very much the, the martial artist, like lifestyle mindset. Um, he was also a, a professional musician as well. At the same time, he plays the organ, still plays to, to this day. Um, so he, he's a one of a kind individual, like to really know me, you got to get to know my father, but, um, you know, we're talking about a guy who is an organist and a martial artist, you know, it's like, what kind of combination is that? I'm pretty sure he's the baddest 
organist on the planet 100%. I don't think there's too many organists that can uh, that can scrap like my dad, you know. But um, uh, yeah, so, you know, um, I, I came up under him. He was my first teacher and um, I'm an only child. And so um, all my time, like uh, my mom, like when I was growing up, my mom, she worked evenings. And so I would go to the academy and uh, and just watch my dad train um, and teach uh, when I was a little kid. And then when we moved to Oklahoma, um, he opened his own school. And uh, and then once again, I'm growing up in, you know, in my dad's academy. And, um, you know, martial arts has, has really been my whole life. I don't I don't know a life uh, before martial arts like it, it's it's always been there. And he discovered Brazilian jiu-jitsu through the JKD instructors conferences that they would hold every year. And, uh, and my dad's a smaller guy. He's like, um, back then he was like 145, 150 pounds. Um, you know, he's like five, eight, you know, he's not that big. And, uh, and so, um, you know, he was mainly a striker, uh, his whole life. And then once he discovered jujitsu and found this art that was tailor made for the smaller individual, um, you know, he fell in love with it. And, uh, and uh, it was pretty cool because I was like around 12 years old, 13 years old at the time. And, um, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big kid and he's a small man. And so we were around the same size. You know, I wasn't too much smaller than him already. And uh, in fact, I was already taller than him, I think, um, just, you know, skinny, lanky kid. And uh, so as he began to, to learn jujitsu and he would bring it home and we would he would show me and we would practice together. Um, and then by the time I'm 13, 14, I'm also traveling, traveling with him, traveling by myself um, to, to learn and uh, train. Um, you know, we're, we've been in Oklahoma this whole time. Uh, a lot of people get confused about that. First, a lot of people think that I'm Brazilian. Uh, they <laughs> think my dad's, they think my dad's Brazilian. They think he was a black belt my whole life. Um, you know, they don't know that we were actually learning at the same time. And, um, and, you know, we were each other's number one training partners. Um, and I always had to travel to learn. We never had a black belt here in Oklahoma. And so if it was him, he would come back and, and show me everything he learned. If it was me, same thing, you know, he would invest into me to go because he was busy with the academy. And, uh, and I, it was easier for me to travel, especially when I didn't have school. And, um, you know, that's been my whole life. Like the first time I went to Brazil, I was 16. I had just turned 16. It was 1999. And uh, I went there and competed at the world championships. And, um, you know, and then I would come home and I would show my dad everything that I learned and, and we would drill together. I mean, everything was, was he and I, and, uh, he got his black belt one year before I did. Um, he got his in 2003 and uh, I got mine in 2004 and we became the first American father and son Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts. And that was just kind of the beginning of many great things uh, ahead. Man, that's so cool. A, to get to have that relationship with your dad where, you know, you have something that, that ties you two together that you're doing together like that is, is just so cool. But when I think of that timeline, like, you know, I've been watching mixed martial arts since the first UFC, you know, my dad was super into Kempo and, and all of that. So that was like, when the UFC happened, I think everyone kind of went, oh, shit, because I think there were so many 
martial arts being practiced in the States that never accounted for like, yeah, dude, but what if a college wrestler that's juiced to the gills gets a hold of you, you know, that's <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, and then obviously what Hoist did. And I, I still feel like, you know, in that early two thousands, right around the time you got your black belt was, it was just when, uh, you know, I grew up in Iowa. So wrestling was religion. That's what we did every weekend. And it, it kind of became the thing for, a lot of high school wrestlers, which, you know, if you, you know, all about wrestling, like if you wrestle in Iowa or Oklahoma, you know, your odds of, of rising the ranks to get a scholarship are, are so rare. So, so many guys started transitioning to MMA. So you're really like, I mean, to be a black belt at that time, you were, that's like a unicorn of a situation. Um, yeah. I remember the days when seeing an American blue belt or purple belt was a big deal um you know my dad was fought what was part of the first um group to receive blue belts under carlos machado who was the first uh like legitimate um brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt um to come to this area of the country he moved to dallas texas uh thanks to chuck norris um so believe it or not, I'm, I joke about it all the time, but my life is greatly influenced by Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris, yeah. um, like, like incredibly. So my dad wouldn't be doing martial arts if it wasn't for Bruce Lee. And, um, and, you know, he, he followed Bruce Lee into the Jeet Kune Do systems. And, and then that led us to jujitsu. Um, and then uh, the Machado brothers, um, my dad fell in love with them. They, they taught at one of the JKD instructor conferences and he really like loved their style, um, their charisma. And, uh, and he was training with the Machado brothers in California and they were teaching Chuck Norris um, in LA. And then Chuck um, uh, signed on to do the Walker Texas Rangers show. And so of course he had to go to Texas and he moved to Dallas and he wanted to take one of the Machado brothers with him so he could keep learning jujitsu in Texas. And so he took Carlos Machado. So Carlos relocated to Dallas and uh, and that was like just huge for us because up until that point, my dad was going all the way to California to learn jujitsu. And now with Carlos in Dallas, we could go, you know, just a few hours, like it's about three, three and a half hours drive to get from here to Dallas. And uh, and Carlos's first school was actually inside the studio where they filmed Walker, Texas Ranger. And there was even like a like a red uh, light bulb on the wall right by the door. And um, if that if that light turned on, that means they were filming. We had to stop training. We, we couldn't move. We had to be dead silent. And then when it turned off, we could, you know, keep training again. Um, that is so wild. <laughs> yeah, that that's where I met uh, Carlos was there. Uh, my dad took me, my dad was doing a private lesson and then in the morning. So he would drive early Thursday morning, do a private lesson at like nine o'clock and then stay and do the uh the morning class afterwards um up until like you know 12 one o'clock and then he would grab lunch drive home and um and then be back home at like you know five o'clock ready for the evening classes and then he would teach at home and he did that every thursday for like three years um and one of the first times that he did that um i i got to go with him i was out of school i think it was like spring break or something like that and um and i met carlos for the first time um and i shared a private lesson with my dad with carlos and uh 
And yeah, it was in the studio. Um, and that was just like so big for us. And we were so pumped. And yeah, um, so I don't even know how we got to that. But this this was a different time. Like, uh, you know, it, uh, almost like seeing a, an American brown or black belt was like you said, like a unicorn. It just, you know, there was so very few out there. Um, and going to Brazil back in that time, like now today, you know, at the black belt divisions, we're still, we're still pretty behind. Like Brazilians are, are basically, uh, you know, they, they dominate the first, second and third places on the podium. Um, but we will get like this past year, for example, there was three Americans that reached the finals. Um, and Mikey Musumeci, he, he actually won, uh, for the fourth time, which is incredible. But, um, but, you know, overall, we're talking about a handful that make it to the podium um, in the black belt divisions. Well, back in this era, in the early 2000s, in the whole world championships, like from blue to black, you would see a handful that meddled at all. Right. So we're talking about all the belt levels, first, second, third place. There would be a handful of non-Brazilians that actually reached the podium. Um you know, it was just extremely difficult and we were way behind, you know, we didn't have access to that level of, of training and instruction and competition. Um, you know, whereas those guys would compete like, you know, almost every other weekend, um, you know, for us to compete against people at that level, we only get once a year at the Pan Ams and then you had to go to Brazil. And, um, and so, you know, we, uh, non-Brazilians, um, would typically always lose, you know, and, uh, and that's the time that I came up in and, um, you know, it had so many of its hardships and, and obstacles, of course, but at the same time, I'm so grateful that I came up in that time. Um, I was probably the youngest one out there on the scene. Like, as far as Americans go, I was just so fortunate to come in at the time that I did as a young teenager um, going down there with with all these grown men um, who were, you know, uh, teammates or training partners of mine, and uh, and you know got to be like the first uh, American, you know, teenager to come up in that time and see what it was like and um, experience that hardship, but see jujitsu at its roots, the purity of it, the the rawness of it. Um, back then, the World Championships, I mean, it was completely different than what it is today, you know, before the media, the social media and all the, you know, all the abilities to get sponsored and be like famous, you know, like that didn't exist in and come up in that time um, and then see how much growth that has taken place in the sport and really be a part of, of all of it. You know, like you said, I'm still out there today. Um, you know, in fact, this weekend I'm competing in the adult division. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be the oldest guy out there. Um, you know, and I, I just, I just love it. Like I never imagined that we would get to where we are today um, with the sport of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and all the opportunities that there are and, and being able to own a school and be like, like, you know, successful, like, you know, be, be able to make a living, um, you know, at the time when my dad was running a martial arts school when I was a kid, you know, the first several years, I mean, they were tough, really tough. You know, we, we were almost considered like an underground, like barbaric thing. You know, the UFC was really frowned upon uh, early on and no one had the education to understand what we were doing, what jujitsu was, what mixed martial arts was. And, uh, and so there's really no market 
for for you know jujitsu and MMA uh, back in those times, and uh, so it made it really hard business wise for my father to compete with the the Taekwondo schools and and yeah. you know uh, all of that, and uh, and you know he he the my whole life like growing up he never wanted me to own um own a martial arts school he didn't want to pass this on to me he didn't want me to, to be to <laughs> yeah, be in this that. business totally uh, because it because it was so hard for him and now you know it's amazing to see how many people out there have have super successful schools and and are, are living and doing well um from from jujitsu yeah it's really amazing and and i and you know, we just opened, uh, Will just opened a second school in the little mountain town that I live in. And it's still, I just have so many friends in the sport. And I've, I've, I mean, maybe growing up wrestling has something to do with that. But to me, it was, it was never a foreign thing. And I forget that even to this day, you know, like people will post in like our little towns, like Facebook group of like, is there anyone teaching Taekwondo and, and Red Lodge? And I always am like, well, no, you know, the thing that you're going to get from Taekwondo, which is a most of the time a place you can take your kid for a couple times a week to get them an extracurricular activity. You want to teach them discipline and goals and stuff like that. But it's like, man, I, I don't know of any other martial art like the I, I'm sure you've seen just thousands upon thousands, but the lives that I've seen transformed in like three to six months. Um, some of the physical transformations that I've seen of people coming out of shape that are just like, man, I got to do something. I'm going through a divorce and I just, I need something to put myself into. And, and with kids, I've seen kids that won't make eye contact that like, you know, shake your hand and turn away, become these like bright lights that are teaching other kids. And like, I, I just yeah. don't, I don't remember seeing that um, in wrestling and I don't, I don't think you can even have it in Taekwondo or, or any of these other, like, I guess, traditional martial arts, because there's something in jujitsu where because of the live rolling and it, you know, if you're getting better, you know, you're not now breaking two boards instead of three boards. You're like, whoa, I just got out of a position I've never gotten out of. Oh, I just got into a position I've never gotten into. And so it's just such a real time thing. And the, to, to me, that's, that's what's so beautiful about it. And I think more people are kind of sharing that gospel. <clears throat> Um, yeah. And, but, and anyone can be good. Anyone can get good at jujitsu. Like, you know, uh, sports, sports are, are amazing. You know, sports are so good for kids, but obviously in, in normal sports, you know, the better athlete you are, the better you do. And that's just how it is. You know, if, if, if another kid is a better athlete than you, um, yeah, sure. You can try to close the gap, uh, by being better technically, but, if they also, you know, pick up some of that technique, uh, you're just not, you're never going to run as fast, you know, uh, as, you know, the one that is gifted with speed um, right. or the one that's gifted with strength. Like it, it just, you can't overcome that. Um, and then also the other thing with sports is the majority of them are, are team sports, which teaches you a lot, but then there's still a lot to be missing from your own personal growth and, and your own personal realizations and how you deal with things. And, um, you know, and so with jujitsu, it's so beautiful in the sense that number one, you don't have to be a, a, a fantastic athlete. Like you can get good at jujitsu by being a skinny, lanky, flexible, wiry kid. You know what I mean? Who's really not that strong, not that fast. I mean, that was me growing up. Um, 
you know, you can be a little goofy, you can be nerdy, like it doesn't matter. You can figure it out. And a lot of times those are the ones that become the best, you know, yeah. because yeah. Because it is more about technique. And if you are really good athletically, you tend to suffer technically because you, you rely on your athleticism. And, um, and so, you know, that's a beautiful thing. And then the fact that you learn together and you're in a, in, in a team environment where everyone helps each other, you lift each other up, you know, you learn together and you try to figure this out, you know, with, with other people, right? Um, it's very complex and, and, you know, you're always gaining information from those around you, like, hey, you know, uh, how did you how did you figure that out? Like, how do you do that move? And, and, and they're always like, you know, in a good school with good culture, there, people are always giving back, you know, the higher ranking people are always giving back and building up the next generation. But then at the end of the day, when it's when it's one on one, you know, rolling, it's all up to you and you have to learn how to survive. Um, those tough positions and stay positive and problem solves and you get to feel all the glory of of getting better you know of going from getting tapped out you know a hundred times to to ten times to not getting tapped out to actually submitting people and and feeling your moves work and playing the chess game and uh and, and you get to feel that meditation of just like flowing the flow state and making your moves and uh, the connection to your body, your mind, your spirit and everything. Um, whereas if you're on a team sport, you know, you're always looking at the other person. Okay. What are they, are they doing? What they're supposed to be doing, you know, are we all together, you know, and you don't really maybe get in that state um, quite the same. Um, and so it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's the best. That's why, that's why I've dedicated my life to it. I'm still here. You know, that's why, you know, going back to uh, uh, where you were starting, like with the timeless jujitsu is like, I mean, uh, that, that's the, 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 the other beautiful thing about jujitsu is you can literally do it forever. And there's no, there's no bad time to start. Like literally the best time to start is now, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Um, if you're, you're four years old or 40 years old, um, you know, you can, I mean, even older 60, like there's BJ Betty, right. These, these yeah. grandparents who yeah. are, who are teaching and competing, um, women, you know, it doesn't matter children like and it keeps us young like now i'm on the mats you know i've been a black belt now uh my goodness what 18 oh, years coming yeah. up come almost almost two decades you know and and i'm still doing the same thing and, and on the mats you know yeah some of the guys that have been with me for a long time we're all getting older oh now we're on the mats with the, the new kids the new generation you know the guys coming up and you know victor hugo and and you know some of these other guys like it's the same. I'm still training. I'm still moving, still competing, still learning. Um, and you know, the, and you're surrounded by people that are always trying to learn and get better as well. And, and so, you know, it, it keeps you young and it keeps you, it keeps you moving. It keeps you like, I mean, nothing changes really, you know? Um, whereas like if you're, if you're you're sitting around or you know okay you work you have your career you work your way up you get comfortable you know and now you're not learning as much you're not challenging yourself as much you know sometimes you have family which is beautiful but then maybe you go home and you know uh and you're just kind of there you know like what are you doing to push and better yourself you know um and uh and jujitsu is like it's like that like 
you know, well, for me, your, for me, your... the thing that I fell so in love with is how it is just bottomless. You're never going to not have something to work on. You know, for me, I, um, the idea, like I hated Nogi when I started all the way about halfway through my blue belt, hated Nogi, had zero interest in it. Um, surely had no interest in leg locks whatsoever. And then I hurt my neck and I had about four months where I couldn't lift weights. I couldn't train. So I would just sit, I would go to the gym and I would just watch. And I started kind of picking the leg game apart of like, oh, okay. And, get, and getting an idea. And then once I could start drilling again, I started drilling legs in my, cause in my head, I'm like, okay, well, what's the furthest thing from my neck? It's the legs. So, and then here I am, you know, in the middle of my purple belt and I've realized like, oh shit, I've detached from like every other piece of jujitsu. I'll be in the closed guard and I'm, I'm looking at legs. I'm like, yeah, posture, you know, I'm like looking for leg entries. And now I'm like, oh shit. Okay. I got to start over again. And to me, that's what it's all about is this, like you spend two, three years trying to perfect one thing. And then you're like, oh shit, now I've lost all this other thing. Now I have to go back or you pick a, pick a new thing, you know? And um, to me, the it's, other it's, thing that happened there is, is the beauty of injuries. Yeah. So it, it, it always, you know, there's a depression, there's a sadness, there's a, oh shit, you know, like, man. and you don't see it at first, but every single injury that I've had, every single, I mean, it's just adversity, period, right? Um, it's, it's funny because I've been watching uh, the man in the arena, uh, the Tom Brady um, ESPN documentary, and he talks about this, this ancient Chinese proverb where it's like, after everything, the guy asks why. And, uh, and it's because in the moment, you only have one perspective. Your perspective is, okay, if it's an injury, I can't train, life sucks. I'm sad, I can't do what I love to do. But some time passes, you come back and then you realize how it made you better, right? It gives you a deeper sense of gratitude. You, you re-motivate yourself. You learn how to take care of yourself better. And you're, and you're naturally gonna be forced to work on an area of your game uh, or a new area of your game that you wouldn't get if your body stayed the same, right? So, you know, I had, I had this guy here, you know, this injury here, couldn't do anything with my left arm. You know, I had to, had to adjust, hurt my right knee, had to do everything with my left leg. You know, like every bit of injury, every setback, every adversity, you know, another one of my favorite quotes, every adversity carries with it the seed of equivalent advantage. There's always something that once you, like, Usually down the line, you look back at it and you're like, oh man, I really am happy. I got, this was one of the best things that ever happened to me was this injury right here. This is coming back from this is when I set my dedication to MMA. And, uh, and I really went in, you know, and I just went all in on MMA and made my run. Um, you know, I mean, like once you can look back, you realize, oh, that was a good thing. And so that's what's so important. Like, you know, with martial arts, with jujitsu, these experiences, it helps you uh, always keep a positive perspective. You know, I'm, I'm one of the most positive people out there, I believe. Um, and I, and I've gotten all of that through martial arts. And it's just like, you understand that, you know, like, like competition wise, you know, I, you win great, but you show, you still show up the next day and know that you got to keep training. And there's, 
you know, nothing changes, right? If you lose, I'm still going to show up the next day and keep training. Like there is no, like there's no nothing end. is as good. Yeah, there yeah. is no end. Nothing is as good or as bad as it seems. Like the whole point is we just live this, right? We live it forever. And and keeping a, a perspective that, uh, that the journey is literally the reward, like 100%. The best thing is just just being on the journey and the relationships and everything, the experiences like that injury. Now you look at it and you're like, man, that was a life changer for me. And I'm sure you have a, a sense of gratitude for it. And it's expanded your game, probably gave you some new motivation, you know, changed who you are. And, um, and like, now you're better because of it. And um, I mean, that's just, that's just martial arts and, and how you can apply it to life. Yeah. Um, and that in every way, like, that to me, that's it. And, and like, you know, what you were saying about winning and losing something that, that wrestling always had that is parallel to jujitsu that I saw a lot of kids that grew up playing team sports don't have, there's an, there's an accountability factor in combat sports where if you win, okay, cool. I was the man today. And when you lose, you go, okay, well, why did I lose? I lost my coach didn't lose my teammate didn't lose there was you know no one dropped a pass I got beat you know it was a one on one competition and I got beat. And those losses I feel like are so. So much more meaningful than than the wins, you know, and, and like you're saying with the injury you know I've, I've had a really rough few months just life professional shit in general, and I kind of had this pause because I had a neck flare up. And I was thinking through like, okay, well, what were you meditating on when you were going through this injury? Like, let's go back to that place. And, and what I really learned in that injury is like, not to wait until a year later and look back and go, okay, what did I learn during that dark period? But to be in the dark period and be like, okay, what is all this? And what can I pull from it right now in the present moment? Um, and and yeah. right, right now in my life, that's my practice is to not um, to not have to be a year later and look back and be like, oh shit, when that seemed like everything was crumbling, that was when I picked up this, this, and this. It's to be in the crumbling mm -hmm. and go, oh, okay, I'll take that right now. I'll take that right now. Um, and I don't know that I would have that without jujitsu like that. Um, <laughs> you know, I used to be a really reactive person too. And I, and, and jujitsu was the first thing that I found that when adversity was occurring, that kind of gave me that pause and be like, okay, does this even warrant a reaction? Or would it be best to probably just sit in this for a minute, you know? Um, I come back to this this moment all of the time. I, you know, it was in my first few months of training. My coach Will pulled his gi over my face. He was on my back and he grabbed my gi and pulled it over my face. And I was squirming. And he said in my ear, he goes, Stop, you can breathe. And I, oh shit, you're right, I can breathe. He's like, Yeah, you believed you couldn't breathe, so you quit breathing. Like you can breathe, dude. Take a breath, you know. <clears throat> And I come back to that all of the time of that, like, okay, stop, I can breathe. So I'm probably yeah. in, in a place where I can assess. Um, so you said that injury got, got you committed to MMA. That was, that was a big question that I had for you. What, what made you take the leap to MMA? I, um, I last week, um, you know, I know you've told the story so many times so you can, you, you can tell as long or short a version as you want, but I, I went back and back and watched your fight uh, with Masasi and, holy shit, man. I, a, you know, I know the story of everything that led up to that fight. There is nothing in your performance in that fight that would allude to you going through anything, you know, like you looked, 
I mean, that's that's a plus, <laughs> you know, that you, that you, that was a be- it was a beautiful fight. So talk a bit about your transition to MMA and, and you getting that belt and that picture mm. behind you. Thank you um, for your kind words. Um, yeah. So, you know, I shared a little bit of my my martial arts history, like coming up in JKD and everything else. You know, I grew up doing um, standing martial arts um, and even as we transition into jujitsu, like it, it was just a different time. We learned jujitsu because it was the most practical form of self-defense. Um, you know, in the beginning, I didn't even know that there was really a sport scene for jujitsu. And in many ways, there really wasn't yet. Like um, the first world championships didn't even take place until 96, you know? And so um, like the, the sport of jujitsu was very much in its earliest roots and for my father, the, the whole reason why we started learning and studying jujitsu was just for, you know, like I said, practical self-defense and being able to fight and take care of yourself. Um, and we knew that that was the best way to handle yourself in a one-on-one situation, um, to clinch and take the person to the ground, neutralize them and be as mean as you want to be. And, um, and so... Um, you know, all the jujitsu training that I did when I was a kid, uh, you know, was, there was no sport to it. Um, it was with the mindset of real combat. And, um, even in the early years when we really began to adopt a jujitsu curriculum, my father would not promote anyone to blue belt unless they had a solid foundation in striking as well. And so our old school blue belt tests, um, you know, at this point we were a Valley Tudo school. When my dad owned uh, our academy, we were Lovato School of, of Valley Tudo. Um, and so the curriculum was a blend of boxing, Muay Thai, takedowns, and jujitsu. And when you earned your blue belt, you had to demonstrate, you know, combinations and movement with your hands, your legs, um, and you would spar boxing and Muay Thai. Then you would put the gi on, demonstrate techniques in the gi spar jujitsu with the gi on and then we took the gi off at the end put on little gloves and then you would do mma rounds with the advanced guys like a a shark tank gauntlet kind of test um that would take about (laughs) it would take about two and a half two and a half three hours and uh you know it wasn't the best business wise um (laughs) you know any we only had a few blue belts back then but all those guys that got their blue belts were like like they could be good MMA fighters on a regional level, you know, in those days and those times, that's what I grew up in. Um, that's the kind of martial arts training that I had. And, you know, this was way back in the day. Like if people came in and were talking crap or whatever, like my dad wasn't scared to be like, Hey, sign the waiver and I'll, I'll get you some gloves. You know, let's, why don't you put your, your mouth to the test, you know, back it up. And, um, And by the time I was 16, 17, I became one of the guys that my dad would say, oh, yeah, this guy came in. He's talking trash. Son, get your gloves on. I need you to to handle him, you know, and that's that's what I grew up in. And so it's very intense. My dad, you know, he's a nice guy now. (laughs) But uh, but back in those days, uh, you know, and I, I saw him plenty of times rough up people and put them in their place. Um, And I mean, the whole state of Oklahoma was afraid of my dad. I'll put it that way. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I grew up like, I mean, I did MMA all the time. 
as a kid. Right. And then I really, yeah. I really set my, my intentions to go all in on jujitsu. And I wanted to be, I wanted to be like, you know, I wanted to be a black belt world champion. And more than that, I really wanted to be like the face of, of Americans in jujitsu. You know, I wanted to inspire them. And, uh, you know, BJ was amazing, but he won one time. And then that was it. Like he did the worlds once as a black belt. And then he went to MMA and Hawaii so is kind of a different a country presence, too. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he was obviously made, made the fight. And, uh, and he, I mean, his first tournament as a black belt was the world's and he won and, he, and it's like, what else are you going to do? You are, totally. <laughs> you are, you already climbed the mountain and, uh, UFC was there and, and he went that route. Uh, but me, I wanted to like be that guy, you know, that was there year after year. And, uh, and, and I did it, you know, I, I gave all my twenties, all my twenties to jujitsu. And, uh, and, you know, I did the same tournaments, the same season year after year after year. And I made my history. Uh, there was definitely a couple things that I was still striving for that kind of like kept me in the game long, longer than maybe what I expected. But, um, you know, I, I, I eventually through this injury, the pause button came on. And for the first time, and I, and I was able to sit back and say, you know, look at my career and say, man, I'm proud of everything I did. I have nothing else to prove. I gave everything to jujitsu. Um, it's not pushing me the same anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't fire me up the same way. And, um, you know, in that time I said, man, if I'm able to get healthy enough to, to compete again, this was right after my first MMA fight. Um, I, I said, man, I want to do more MMA fights. Like that was a crazy feeling. I want to experience that more. I want to challenge myself in that way. Um, you know, as, I mean, it's the greatest challenge for a martial artist, right? Getting locked in the cage and let's see what your skills can do. You know, it's do or die. And, uh, and so it really helped me get to a place where I said, you know what, I'm okay. And I, I hadn't done a world championship since I hadn't, I didn't do the worlds anymore. I stopped doing all the, the competitions and I would still do some super fights here or there. Uh, but I just went all in on MMA and, um, and you know, I made that decision and man, um, it, it all happened so fast. Like my debut was in 2014 and 2019, I'm fighting for the Bellator world title. Um, every fight I fought a, a, a tougher person and I just, you know, challenged myself that way and um, had an incredible ride with my team, all my, all my coaches and training partners, like had the best people around me. And that was one thing about being in my thirties already when I started MMA that I think was, was, uh, like a smart move. That was, it was on my side, the sense that I, I had no regrets for jujitsu. I knew completely who I was and what I was doing it for. And I developed some strong relationships and found the right people to go on that journey with, you know, uh, MMA, you know, there's, there's the, the, the opportunity for money and fame and, and maybe, you know, if you're young, like you don't really know who you are yet and who is the right people to have around you and, and, you know, uh, distractions and things could happen and, and, um, you know, there could be some mistakes made. Um, but for me, it was very pure, all for the right reasons, had the right people around me. And we just, you know, we just, uh, we, we, we flew to the top. And then there, there we were, you know, uh, I said, as soon as I, I signed the contract for Bellator in 2017, 
I printed up a picture of, of their belt and I set it in my bag, um, in my training bag. It was with me for that two and a half, three years um, leading up to the fight. And it was all, all about, for my team, it was all about getting to that world, world championship fight, you know, getting to, to be a world champion level. And, um, and, you know, then to have the opponent that we had, um, you know, someone who was a legend and really solidified himself as one of the best ever, um, just made it even more like, um, even more special, you know, it's like, it made it, it motivated us more and uh, more legitimacy to it, you know, as well as like, okay, this is the ultimate challenge. And, uh, you know, huge underdogs um, fighting on his, his backyard, you know, it had the whole Rocky, Rocky story, uh, you know, written to it without even all the other stuff <laughs> that I went through um, in that camp. But going back to what we talked about earlier, you know, and I, I mentioned in the Joe Rogan show, like, everything that I went through in that camp with the, the brain condition and all that, it put me in the ultimate zone, the ultimate, like ready to give my all, you know, this, this is my moment. I'm, I'm here to, you know, to basically, uh, you know, like, I don't want to say die in the cage, like, but I, in a sense, I was ready for that. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't going to quit. I wasn't going to give up. Um, as long as I was conscious, I was going to keep fighting as hard as I possibly could to make that dream come true because of everything that we went to just to be there, just to be there. Yeah. And, and it was, it, it wasn't just my story. It was all of our stories. You know, my dad, he's in my corner. It's his, all of his teachings and the way that he brought me up and who he is as a martial artist, you know, my team, my, my head MMA coach, the guy right there, you see, you know, screaming, letting out all that emotion. He used to stay with me for two months. You know, he does, he lives in Canada. He used to stay with me for two months at a time for every camp, you know, and when I was just an emotional wreck, like I had all the right people, Shanji, like everybody uplifting me, keeping me, positive and you know helping me even get to that fight just to be there because we didn't you know it wasn't until two weeks before the fight that we even get approved and um and it was like man this is this isn't just about me this is us and um that love and inspiration that i was around is 100 percent why um i was able to to be successful and go to that place um inside where i knew you know I, I wasn't going to break and my opponent, um, he underestimated me. And, uh, you know, uh, when it came down to the fifth round, you know, I won the first two, he won the second two. Um, you know, I was just ready to give that much more than he was. And I think that's the, the power of, of having your purpose, you know, uh, I mean, he was even vocal about how he was really just kind of there for the money and, you know, just wants to beat people up and, and that's it. That's what he does. But um, you know, when, when shit hits the fan, right. When, when it's time to dig deep, you have to have a deep, deep connection to your why, to your purpose and be around the right people. And, um, and I, I knew, you know, what I was there for. And um, I knew that it was very likely going to come down to something like that. 
um, because of the quality of opponent and how much more experience he had than me. And there it was my first time ever in a championship rounds. And, you know, I was, I was rising to the occasion and, and fighting better than someone who, who had many championship rounds in his career um, because of all of that. And that's, you know, that's what I try to put out there to, to everybody. You, you um, do, man. I think that's what makes you special. Like to, to how I started the, the podcast, like, that's what I mean is that, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of, of different approaches. I mean, to martial arts and life, but, but like you just said, the why, like, what is the why? And, and for me, the, the thing that I'm always seeking out in people that I, that I have a really good nose for is people that know their why and they don't just know it, but fully embody it, fully live inside of it. Um, you know, for me, for me, that's, that's music. And, um, and, and, and like you're saying, you know, like I, I can go through X, Y, Z and go, yeah, man. But at the end of the day, I'm going to keep making records and I'm going to keep playing shows. So nothing else really matters. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what grinder you go through, like you're going to be you because your why is martial arts. And, and, and I, like I said, man, that to me, that's what's so special about you is that it isn't the, oh, I'm here for a paycheck and I just like beat motherfuckers down. And this is what I do. It's like, no, man, this is my heart. This is my this is my spiritual practice. This is my walk. This is why I was put on earth. Um, and to me, that's what's so special. And, and yeah, man, rewatching that fight, you see that because those first two rounds, it was like, you was like, holy shit, dude, you were manhandling him. And then he like seemingly shifted gears like, okay, shit, I got to turn it on. And then, yeah, that fifth round, it was just like, it was hard. You know what it reminded me of is it was like uh, when Adesanya, was fighting and he looks across the cage and he goes, you cannot beat me. I'm prepared to die. Like, yeah, that, that was so, so apparent in that fight in that fifth round that it yeah. was like, yeah, no, dude, I'm not, I'm not here for the money. I'm not here to whip your ass. I'm here for <clears> something <throat> completely different. This is the completion of yeah. my why. Yeah. You know, everybody has this other level inside of them that they don't know, you know, and, and it takes, it, it takes, um, uh, some sort of, uh, you know, conflict or, or moment, like, um, you know, there, there's so many different ways it could be seen, whether, you know, I'm sure to, to live your passion of music, there was a moment where you had to go all in, you had to, you had to, you know, drop everything and get out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, I dropped out of college and, uh, and ran up a credit card debt um, to, to go to Brazil and, and do jujitsu, um, for four months, um, you know, when I was 20 and, um, and there's plenty of other moments where, you know, you, you got to go all in and just, you are your, your, the number one investment is you. And yes. you're never, you're never going to live the, the life that you're meant to live or, or, or feel the greatest feelings, the greatest emotions, the greatest ups, the greatest downs, um, you know, the glory, the satisfaction, you're never going to get that in anything other than living your passion. And, uh, and of course, is going to be a risk. And it has to be because if it's not, then what, you know, like, where's the, where's the glory in that, you know what I mean? Um, and, and of course, uh, you know, a lot of people, um, 
would have been t- telling me if they knew, because I kept it super quiet, only a few people knew, a lot of people would have said, dude, don't fight. Like, that's your health and, and everything. And of course, if if I never found a doctor that would have said it was okay, I wouldn't have ever done it. But because I did, and that's why I was able to get approved and all that. But I it came to a point where it's just like, we worked so hard to get here. I, how can I not do this? I have to do this. And we were supposed to fight in January. So it already been an extra six months of training and it and everything lagging out and taking longer and longer. And finally I'm there and, you know, and then all that stuff hit, but um, you know, it's like, I, I have to do this. I have to go all in. And then the fight went the way it did. And let me tell you, after the second round, I was tired. <laughs> yeah, I, you know? I, I was tired trying to hold him down and take down. And, you know, I'm a little tense because, you know, I mean, he was someone that I'd watched and look up to for a long time. Um, you know, he's really good. And then all of a sudden he's standing there right there in front of you and he wants to kill me, you know? Uh, and so, I mean, I was tired <laughs> and that was a big reason why the, the fight shifted. Cause in the third round, when I was on his back, I was, my legs were given out. I couldn't hold on anymore. He was defending, doing everything right. And I almost accepted like falling off to the guard. I was like, ah, it's okay. I'll play guard you know, and I'll try to hold him. And man, then I got beat up and I got cut and, you know, and then I couldn't see in the fourth round. Now I'm trying to fight a great striker who's standing in front of me and I can't even see him, you know, blood's in my eyes. And then he drops me and, and I'm still really tired. (laughs) And, uh, and then fifth round and I'm like, okay, it's just five more minutes, just five more minutes. And I have my corner, my brother's just yelling at me like, five more minutes, Shanji, one more takedown, one more takedown for your life, like for your life, you know, like your legacy, this is it. And, uh, and I remember I walked back out in the, to, to shake his glove, you know, tap gloves in the, for the beginning of the fifth round. And it was like, I was completely refreshed. I was like, this is it five, five more minutes. And I shook his, or when we tapped gloves, I smiled and looked right in his eyes and I was just like, yes, let's go. And I just kind of smiled and, and, uh, and then I wasn't tired. I mean, of course I was still tired, but, uh, you know, mentally I said, go forward, go forward, go forward, get this one takedown. And thankfully I did. And, uh, I didn't make the same mistake again. I did not lose the back a second time. Um, but you know, that's something that, that when you, you know, know, like I said, you know exactly what you're there for. You had that connection. You had the right people around you. Man, you can go. You can keep going, you know? I mean, I look at every single person out there who's achieved some great level of success in athletics, in, in, in uh, entrepreneurship and business, or, um, you know, uh, just pursuing their passion, whatever the case may be. There's always some point which they thought they were going to fail. Like it was about to be over, you know, Thomas Edison, 10,000 times, you know, look at uh, Bezos from Amazon, like, you know, where they're like about to either go bankrupt and just live in a cardboard box or it all works. And then it works, you know? And, uh, and I was about to, you know, either get knocked out and just, okay, I'm too tired to go fifth round and it all just crumbles or I rise to the occasion. And, you know, I went in that, in that back and forth, amazing fight. 
and that lasts forever, you know? And um, so I, I like the great thing about jujitsu is being able to talk about this and people can understand you, you, you start to understand, okay, yes, this is just life. Like when you're getting smothered in the mouth and, or, you know, someone's geese over your face, I just have to breathe, stay calm one step at a time. What's the next thing for me? You can't look at the big thing. What's the next thing for me? If I can just get to here, then once I'm there, I can go here, you know, um, you know, they, they start to realize uh, like what they're capable of and how to react and how to stay calm, how to breathe, how to, you know, gain strength from the right people, you know, and, uh, and it, deep down, my favorite thing about being a teacher of martial arts is being able to inspire people. And, uh, and they're, they, they tend to feel it a little more, you know, because of what they're already feeling and going through in training and learning and just being there. I mean, I think at the end of the day, you should also be able to be inspired by yourself. Like, if you're doing things right, you're working hard, you're challenging yourself, you're being a good person, you know, like everyone that's showing up to train, doesn't matter if they're young and they're trying to be a, a great young adult, you know, a young kid and, and uh, you know, be a great young martial artist that wants to be a black belt one day. Or if it's a, a grown man, a grown woman who's a mother, a father, who still wants to learn, challenge himself, get in a little better shape, be a better father, be a better mother, be an inspiration. I mean, that is all inspirational to me. I see all my students and I'm inspired by them and I want them to, to see what they're doing and like say, oh man, I'm doing, I'm doing this. And then they're inspiring themselves, you know? And it's like, yeah. And you know, I, I'm, you become like the superhero version of yourself, you know? And, and then you realize, oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And, well, and I think the, the beautiful thing about that too, is that it is just showing up, you know, like I remember starting and seeing purple belts and rolling with purple belts and being like, no fucking way. Is that ever going to be me? You know? And it's like, you know, all the people that were purple belts and I started are black belts now. And the amount of people that I've seen get their black belt that go, guys, I just kept coming. And here I am 10 years later, I just kept coming, you know, and I've had so many, as it goes with anything in life, but like peaks and valleys, I had a big era of my blue belt where I was like, I think I might be getting worse, you know, and then you find <laughs> out, you know, then you find out it's like, well, no, you're actually getting better. So all of the people that are better than you start turning it up to give you more stimulus, you know, um, but, you know, so much of what you said in there, like for me, with Satsung, it's been a constant, you know, there's multiple times of a, a year where I have to put everything on the line to make it go. And it keeps working out. And, and I remember those first couple times of going, my mantra forever was, well, this is when any normal person would quit. And I'm not going to be a normal person. So if I don't quit now, okay, now I'm the, the, the like echelon keeps getting smaller and smaller. And I, and I feel like that's the same way in jujitsu is it's X amount of white belts quit X amount of blue belts quit. And I just had this thing when I started, it was, it was feeding me in a way that I said, no, I don't, I don't care if it takes 20 years, I'm going to get a black belt, you know, and I, and it's going to go like this. And I have no idea what that journey is going to look like, but I will keep adapting with it. Um, 
because it's something that I want, you know, and, and just like you with the title or me with music, it's like, you know, I think the reason people like you are important is to inspire those people of, of whether it's fucking jujitsu or music or entrepreneurship or whatever it is. Like, it's so easy, especially in the era of, of social media to, to fake it, you know, and a, there's no, there's no faking it in jujitsu, but it's like, but are you willing to be the guy that when the rubber meets the road to say, no, you know, everything is pointing to, I should back out of this fight. Well, I'm not going to everything else would say I should probably finish college, but I'm going to charge up this credit card because I know where I'm going. Um, and there's the thing that's so remarkable about your story that I really love and relate to is that like you knew, you know, and you had a small people around you that also knew. And it's like I, I, I knew I what I wanted to do, but I didn't know if it would, if it would happen, mm-hmm. you know, but you knew you knew you, you know, you have to try. Yes. And that's just it is it's like, well, you know, like when I started music, the thing I would always tell myself was like, okay, I'm gonna give everything I have for for a year. And if in a year it looks unfeasible, then well, but then I got addicted to that thing that said, okay, well, shit, what's another year of hard work? What's another year of radical self-investment? And you won't know. I mean, you could have went through all that. And like you said, got knocked out in the fifth round and be like, well, shit, it was a hell of a ride. And I did it. Yeah. you know yeah. and it's like yeah. you know you won't you won't know unless you go um and i feel like like your story um and, and the way that you incorporate um yeah you're not just teaching jujitsu man i think i think that's to me that's what's really special about you is that um in the short amount of time that i've spent with you you're you're more than a guy that's really good at jujitsu um there's a there's an aura about you. You can, you can just, you can sense that it is your path in it. And it um, it's attractive because it makes people go, Oh man, I, even if it's not jujitsu, well, I want to find my thing. Cause that guy walks a different way. Um, and, and to me, man, that's just magic. And I think that's just what, what makes you so cool. <laughs> well, thank you. And that means a lot to me. And, and that's how I get connected to, to people like you. And um, you know, I have, just hundreds of other amazing people in my life um, that, are, you know, they all have their own story. Like I, I can see you, I can see anyone, you know, uh, um, recently I was in Austin. I don't know if you met Aaron, Aaron Alexander from the line yeah. podcast. Yeah. Just boom. We hit it right off. It's like easy. It's like, you know, the, the attraction. And as you get older and you're, you're just more in tune with that, it becomes easier like the more people come to you, like it's just that attraction. It's just, oh, and then all of a sudden you have a powerful relationship and bond with someone so quick because they're in tune with the same thing. And, and it's just like magnetism and, uh, and, you know, they're, they're doing the same and, you know, you feel that from them. So you're inspired by them. They're inspired by you. And, um, and yeah, I mean, in jujitsu, I, I say this all the time, you know, the, the relationships, the people that you connect with, that's the greatest gift um, yes. beyond the, beyond the, the, the skills. I mean, of course, all the things that you learn about yourself. I mean, there's so many just priceless things, but um, you know, what, what I look at and I'm just like most grateful for are the relationships, the people, and th- that's what makes the journey just keep getting sweeter and sweeter. You know, as long as you stay in and there's other people around you that are staying in, you know, now it's not, 
oh, I've known that guy for a year. It becomes five years. It becomes yep. 10 years. Then it becomes 20 years. And you're still doing the same thing. And you're just like, man, I love that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you, you've gone through so much life with that person, you know, and you see them more than arguably your own family. Right. And uh, and then now I have that being in the, I've been in the game this long. You know, I have that with so many people all around the world and and more are coming. There's still more coming. And uh, they immediately just, you know, like it, like the people like you do jujitsu. You're an, an interesting, like unique guy that lives his passion, lives music. A lot of people are falling in love with jujitsu that have their own badass, amazing lives. And then you get to connect with these people and learn from them and opportunities arise and, you know, get to uh, learn more culture and just um, meet people from all around the world. And that's another thing that just makes this art so beautiful. And it just keeps giving to me over and over again. Um, I mean, even just this past week, I had Homolo Bahal here, um, who's a guy that I fought total in all of our matches put together. Our total match time is an hour and a half, right? So oh, wow. <laughs> for an hour and a half, an hour and a half of my life, I spent, you know, just scrapping, pulling, pushing, trying to crank on stuff and just try to beat him, right? I, I tried to beat him in, in jujitsu matches. And, uh, and you know, like I always wanted to beat him, right? He was a guy that I would look on the other side like, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get this guy. And now we're at the stage in our careers and our lives. And of course, through all of our battles, we really found a mutual respect and admiration for each other. He's a, an, an amazing person, amazing human being, a great teacher. I've even competed against his, his own black belts, his own students, because I've been, I've been in this game so long. And, um, and man, now he, I, I brought him to my academy. He was one of the top guys that I wanted to invite here and have my students learn from. And I was finally able to get him out. Um, and just a few days ago, he's rolling with my dad, you know what I mean? He's <laughs> training with my training with my dad, showing my dad stuff and, you know, teaching all my students and just giving so much amazing energy to my school and my students, my family, my dad. And, you know, for, for like, like 17 years ago, we had our first match against each other. And I never would imagine walking out to that first match we had that one day he was going to be in my school teaching me and hanging out with me and my dad, you know, and all that. And it's just like, man, that's just how life, like when you live your passion like this, you know, these things happen, you know, and, and, and you just develop so many amazing relationships. That was a guy from another team, a whole nother place in the world that I competed against. And now I can look at him and say, man, that's a, that's a martial arts brother of mine. And, uh, and he taught me a lot. And now we're on a new phase of our journey together. You know, it's just the journey just keeps getting sweeter and sweeter. Totally, man. And, and as someone who travels as much as I do, the enrichment that I've got, because not a lot of people that, um, that are in martial arts have the opportunity to bop around and see this. Like I have little martial arts families all over, you know, like my, right. my biggest struggle when I go to Austin is like, okay, well, I got three different gyms that I got to pop into. Like, am I going to survive? Right. You know, right. like, can I do this in two days? Um, and, and that same thing, you know, when I was just in California, um, TJ Dillashaw and I have been connected through mutual friends and 
he's one of my favorite, my favorite fight of all time is him versus Henan Barrow. Um, and I just have all of these people, especially in the modern era of social media that we can keep in touch and hey man you're coming to california pop by and i've just had so many surreal moments of being at a gym and putting on gloves and being like what the fuck am i doing here like this is you know these are literally some of my favorite combat sports athletes and they've invited me to come here and uh and um i think i think what we're both saying is that it's the why it's like when you are in touch with your why other people that are in touch with their why that are living that they sense it and they go, Oh yeah, yeah. You're on that same shit. Come on in, you know? And, yeah. and that's the magic, yeah. man. Well, dude, I know you're super, super busy and, and taking off for Europe tomorrow, man. I appreciate you uh, chatting with me before, before you head out, man. I'll be, um, I'll be watching as much as I can on flow grappling, man. I'm, I think you're about to go win another world title. Um, well, European title, but European yeah, title, plan. right? That's yeah. Yeah. How many, yeah. how many, it's a big time- one. How many, how many worlds, how many worlds have you won? Uh, so in the gi, um, I medaled eight times, but I won yep. once. Um, yep. And that was one of those things that, as I said, was hard for me to let go of. But then once I had my injury, I was like, okay, man, you know, I was on that, on that podium eight years in a row, you know, as but, an American. Uh, uh, yeah, no gi. Um, I have three. Uh, and uh, in the master division, I have five. And then, uh, you know, then I got a couple uh, MMA world titles as well. Um, so it's been a good run. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go go for one more Europeans. I've uh, won the Europeans. Actually, the, the European title I have is from 2007. So 15 years later, I'm back in there, going to go with, you know, these young guys. And uh, it's not going to be not going to be easy at all. Got, a, you know, a few young bucks in there. Um but, uh, you know, I'm inspired and I know when I'm inspired, I can give my best and on my best day, I can beat anybody. So let's see what happens. And, um, no matter what, I'm going to have fun. And that's the beauty of being in this stage, like nothing to prove. No, nope. you know, I still put pressure on myself, but in the end, I remind myself, you know, there is no pressure. I'm, I'm really doing it purely for the challenge and the love of it. And, um, and I have some, some European friends out there and, uh, excited to connect with them and uh, just use this as a, a great challenge to, to get the year going. Uh, it's an ADCC year, so that's my biggest biggest focus. I have my invitation, and, um, and that's part of the reason why I'm doing this competition. Um, it's kind of like a, a little bit of a test run to go against some bigger guys, younger guys, and compete on two days um, and, and see how I feel and how I, uh, how I respond. Um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, that's it. No, uh, thank you for, for having me the opportunity and for all this great energy to take on my trip. And, uh, and that's it. Hopefully, um, you know, some of your followers will check me out. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll share some good stuff on this and, uh, look forward to the next time. Yeah, man. I'm sure I'll see you in the next six months or so. I'm sure we'll cross paths. Yeah, for sure. All right. God bless you, bro. Thank you, Drew. Appreciate it. All the best.